says on. Yeah, that's right. It is on. Good. It's great to be with you. Uh, wonderful uh, sense of God's presence with you this morning, and uh, really excited about sharing um, a message expressly written for you this morning. Uh, so uh, I said to Heather, when you normally preach, you often preach the same message a few times and you get a bit familiar with it and it's quite easy. When you're preaching stuff that you've just written a few days ago, you feel a bit more nervous. Um, it was a wonderful sense of worship, though. Great to hear from God. I love the way Steve uh, started this morning. Let me remind you, do not dwell on the former things. Behold, God is doing a new thing amongst us. That was a, a wonderful way to start. And uh, Joe Barnes wonderfully prophesied, actually uh, pushing us out of the nest. God's, some of us are eagles and God wants us to fly. And uh, that sounds exciting. I'll tell you what, that sounds nervous to me. Uh, you know, f- taking to, to, to eagles' wings and soaring. Wonderful when you see them up there. But uh, actually, God's speaking to you. And that means you're going to get a push, a divine push. Are you ready for a divine push this morning? Okay, three of you are. <laughs> Most of you are British going, no thanks, thanks, I came to church. I want to have an easy time this morning. Well, you're not going to get an easy time. Um, West Point was brilliant. Uh, if you missed it, get there next year because West Point next year will be even better. Because uh, God is building something and doing something amongst us. And if you miss the story, one of the incredible stories about West Point was about the offering uh, that came in. And uh, if you would like to download messages, there's some outstanding messages. Phil Moore, Mark Job, uh, Mick Taylor is the one I would really recommend. Well, apart from my own, I would say re- look at those as well. Uh, but Mick Taylor's message on how God speaks is really, really good. How God leads a Christian, because he, he, he basically said there are three ways God leads, and every believer likes two or one or whatever of these things, and uh, they are by wisdom, they are by prophecy, and they are by the Bible. And uh, it was an amazing thing when you came to the offering, because asking people to give their money is always a challenge. How much are you going to ask them for? Well. This year, wisdom, I knew what was going on in other spheres, in other parts of the New Frontiers. Wisdom said £250,000, which was more than we got last year, would be an enormous ask, but maybe we could do it. So we, was, we said we're going to go for 250000 John Groves, who's prophetic. Don't you love these prophetic times? They really annoy you sometimes. John Groves, on the day we, was, we were praying, just before we were going, John says, I think I might have a three in front of it. I said, well, you're not going to say that publicly because I don't want people to walk out disappointed. 300,000, wow, that would be wonderful. We got 300,000, wouldn't it? Well, that night, after a great message from Phil, uh, 11 o'clock, just after 11 o'clock, the girl who's been counting at the counting teams rang rang me up uh, back at my uh, bedroom and she said, oh, and she was quite excited. She was laughing and uh, she said, oh, 1,000. I said, you have to say that again, one more time. She said, it, it's 434,000. I said, that sounded like a 400. And she said, yeah, it fell. I said, 400,000. I said, you're going to have to text me that. I'm a typical believing soul. I thought, 400,000, that must be wrong. She texted through, she said, 234,000. I said to Heather, 234, okay. I thought she said 434, 234, okay, that's not too bad. And then she texted two minutes later, sorry, 434,000. <laughs> oh, 
So my emotions were going, woo, woo, woo. And uh, 434,000, which was remarkable. Uh, by the time we finished, I finished speaking that following morning, it was up to 500,000, over 500,000 pounds. In fact, it was a doubling of what we were hoping for, what we were longing for, what we were reaching for in God. It was a doubling, over a doubling of what we hoped for. Amazing. It was miraculous. Just totally miraculous. And the interesting thing, coming back off holiday, here's the story, because we need the other stories as well to add to this. Since West Point, people have been coming in and saying this in, in the office, the finance office. I pledged a thousand pounds. God has so blessed me. Here's two. In fact, someone came in last week and said, "I pledged a thousand. God has so blessed me. He has so blessed my business. Here's ten. I said to the girl, "I said I'd like to meet him. <laughs> Take him out for coffee. That's incredible. So it's gone over six hundred thousand. Over six hundred thousand pounds has been given. It does not add up. But it does add up when you read the Bible. Because it says in the Bible, Malachi 3 verse 10 says, Bring in the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That is the God we worship this morning, who can throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on his church so much blessing that there isn't room enough to store it. You see, West Point was not about money. West Point was about souls being saved, about nations being reached with the gospel. We're reaching for God, saying, we're believing you, God. You want us to double in the next four years. By 2020, we want to double, see, double the number of blessings, double the number of people, double the number of baptisms, double the number of churches, because we're reaching for the impossible to a God who loves to do the impossible. Interestingly enough, in the doubling, you, you want to get this in your language, since beginning Foundations, which is the training, theological training for commission, we've had double the number of students coming for the first time. We've had 60 this year. Usually 30, we've had 60. There's a doubling. Interesting talking to other churches. We've seen twice the number of people getting baptized. Twice the number of people coming on Alpha. There's a something going on. Actually, Steve's got two elders, and you've got to get four elders by the end of this message. There's a five. Well, he's got four elders with him. Double, doubling the number of elders with him. So it's really exciting what God is going to do. And uh, I want to encourage you as a church to play your part. What would a doubling look like for you? We met this week as a, as a leadership team of commission. And as we were praying and prophesying, I had a picture of uh, God wanting to f- open the floodgates of heaven. And uh, I saw the floodgates of heaven open and I saw pounds being poured out from heaven, like on the street, just pounds and pounds, gold coins pouring out from heaven. Then I saw the heavens change and the people being poured out in floods and floods of people being born again, of leaders being raised up. 
And I saw the floodgates again opening and down came weapons and tools and equipment for the church to do the job it's been asked to do. And finally I saw the heavens open and water balloons coming out from heaven filled with coloured dye and they're touching a black and white earth and bringing God's colour and vibrancy and beauty back to a sin and the hellish parts of the world which have become so black and white, the church of Jesus Christ alive. And I wonder, just in terms of that picture, I wonder this morning how that would look for you. And I asked my AV guy to see if he could find a video, and I want you to show, show this video, and I want you to imagine what would a doubling look like in your life? What would an open heaven look like in your life if God was to pour out so much blessing in your life that there's not enough room to contain it? What would it look like for you? I believe God wants us to enlarge our faith this morning. I believe God wants to do something just beyond our imagination this morning. So I'd like you to stand and I'd like you to watch this three minute video, just a simple video used about color TV or something. But actually as I watched it, the Holy Spirit really touched me and said, that's heaven's blessing to this world God wants to pour out. Let's watch it together. We want to see the church of Jesus Christ poured out to transform our world. We want the gospel to bear fruit. We want leaders to be released in their hundreds. We want tens of thousands of people, Lord, in this area of commission to hear the good news and respond. We want to see heaven's doors wide open this morning, pouring out your love, your grace, your mercy, your favor, flooding towards us, your people, this morning. God, we don't want to play it safe in our day. We want to risk everything everything for Jesus. So come upon this message, Lord. Expand our horizon. Let faith arise. God, banish unbelief and cynicism and let faith arise. God, you're on us for a purpose. You're on us for new leadership today in this church, Lord, and new leadership means growth. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts and enlarge us in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. You know, Steve said it's a game changer. It was a game-changing moment. West Point, a game-changer. I'll tell you what, I want to talk about a word this morning, and I want it to come up on the screen. I believe extravagance is a game-changer. Extravagance is a game-changer. And I want to challenge you this morning in terms of your perception of the God that we worship. The God we worship, the God we find in the Bible, is extravagant in every way. Because we often try and, try and think of him in a safe, contained, comfortable way. But actually when we open our Bibles, when we read our Bibles, we find a God of the Bible who is so outrageously extravagant, it's almost wasteful. We can almost be offended by his extravagance. You see, you think of the Father. The Father of heaven is an extravagant Father. You turn to the book of Genesis, and in, in Genesis chapter 1, he starts to speak, he starts to create, let us, the God, the Trinity, God creates heavens and earth and waters and stars. I love in Genesis 1.20, he says, let the waters teem with living creatures, and let the air fill, be filled with birds. He didn't go, I'll tell you what, we'll do a flatfish, and that'll be it. I'll tell you what, one parrot, that's all the birds we need to think about. 
I mean, you look at your bird life and your fish life, it's just extravagant. And then in that extravagant, beautiful world, he created his son and a daughter. He created human beings, people like us, people who blew it, who turned away from God, who brought hell on earth, ruined God's beautiful, perfect creation. And the extravagant God in his mercy and his grace doesn't go into heaven and go, I tell you what, what can we do to try and rescue this? Can we, I tell you what, let's give a book. Let's just give them some rules and hope they can make do. I tell you what, why don't we send a, a legion of angels, 10,000 angels. Why don't you go and try and redeem and shape and change the wicked world and turn them back to me? No, I tell you what the father, the extravagant father does. He empties heaven of the greatest and the best and the most beautiful and the most glorious and the most precious thing he has, his one and only son. He says, that and that alone can rescue this world. Extravagant. Extravagant. The very best of heaven, the most glorious of heaven. The father gives for God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes on him will never perish but have everlasting life. The father knew it was life for life, blood for blood. There was only one who could rescue. And he emptied heavens of his glory, glorious son, sent him to earth to rescue us. What extravagance. What extravagance the father has towards all of us who call him father this morning. He doesn't want to give us a few blessings. He doesn't want to tap us on the head. He wants to pour out everything we need for life and godliness this morning. He is extravagant. What about the Son? John 1. I love John 1 when it explains the Word became flesh and talking about light and talking about He was in the world and all that received Him, all, not a few, not one, didn't want one or two for heaven. All who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. And it says this in John 1. And from out of his fullness we have received grace in place of grace already given. One blessing after the other. Do you ever get offended by Jesus? Some of you have been Christians a while. I mean, he's wasteful. Come on, let's be honest. He's wasteful. He goes to a wedding, first miracle. Hey, we run out of wine. Jesus says, leave it with me. I've got 10 bottles under a blanket. Pinot Grigio, just right for the end of the wedding. No, he gets water jars, huge gallon water jars, and brings about the best wine till last. That's a bit over the top, Jesus. A bit show off. Don't need all that, do we? If you're British, we don't need all that. A glass would have been fine. It's extravagant, but it would a waste. In fact, Jesus then goes to the fishing, fishing, fisherman's sort of area. Push out, Peter, get out on the boat, preaches. Hey, let's go out for a fishing trip. No, Peter says, we've fished all night. I haven't caught a thing. Jesus says, let down your nets one more time. Bang! They're into a net catch. Whoa, they're reeling in the nets. The boats are being filled up. Hey, bring another boat. We'll fill that one up too. That's a bit ridiculous, Jesus. Couple of cod, a few trout. That'd have been plenty. The boats are filled to almost sinking. What extravagance. And then the mountaintop. 
Anyone got any money for a picnic? Who's going to go for a McDonald's? It's going to cost a lot of money for a McDonald's. We haven't got anything. There's a guy here, a little boy, who's got a few loaves and a few fish. Jesus says, get all the people to sit down. We're going to have a party, like we are afterwards. And they had a party. They had so much. They had to collect basketfuls of leftovers. Well, you don't need to do leftovers, Jesus. Surely you'd have got it dead right. No, the extravagance. The extravagance of the sun. And here the extravagance of the sun is, is this powerful. Peter had a bit of a bust up. I reckon it was with Judas personally. This is my own theology. How many times, Jesus, should we forgive my brother before I sock him in the mouth? Put up with all his faffing talk. How many times? I'm at five at the moment today. How many times? Is it seven? Seven will do, won't it? Seven's a perfect number. Now I can get even. Jesus said, no, 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 it's uh, try 70 times 7 or 77, we're not quite sure, but a number basically that you can't bother counting. In other words, forget the keeping records, just be gracious, because that's what I'm like and that's what God is like. Now, isn't that incredible when you think about you and I and our life? How many times do we mess up? Oh, here I go again losing my temper. Here I go again lusting. Here I go again being greedy or wanting my own way. And how many times do I have to say to heaven, I'm sorry? And Jesus says there's grace upon grace upon grace. Extravagance of the love of Jesus. And how about the Holy Spirit, the wonderful Holy Spirit? Pretty extravagant, isn't it? When you come to Acts chapter 1 in your Bibles, you turn there, in Acts, Acts chapter 1, turn into Acts actually because we'll flip, flip around a little bit this morning. But there they are, a couple of the disciples, they're up sort of praying. And Acts chapter 2 comes round. They've just found a new, uh, a new apostle. And then they are up there in their prayer room. And suddenly there is a sound like a blowing of violent wind from heaven and tongues of fire. And who did it touch? Well, in the past, the Holy Spirit would just touch one or two, maybe a priest, maybe a king, maybe a prophet. But everyone was filled. Everyone went, ah, burn! Everyone, whoosh, the wind of the Spirit's on me. Everyone spoke in tongues, in languages that everybody was gathering around, go, ah, oh, they're saying that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is amazing. Extravagant Holy Spirit. You see, if we understand the God we worship and his extravagance, we say this, freely we have received from that extravagance, we are going to freely give. Extravagant church, extravagant father, extravagant a game changer. So let me just talk about extravagance in the church. Do you know, Hope Church, God has blessed you extravagantly? Do you ever recognize that? Do you ever thank, thank God that, wow, this is incredible, the way he's blessed this church and where you live and the leaders you have. Can I just say with even dear old John and Marion moving into a new season, John particularly, extravagant blessing of God. It wouldn't have been a church in New Frontiers who wouldn't have wanted John Groves to come and be a leader in its midst. 
And God, in his graciousness, says, tell you what, out of my abundance, out of my extravagance, here's two people that are going to bless your socks off and have done. Make sure in this new season you are extravagantly blessing and honoring them. You see, I grew up in a church not too many miles from here. I won't mention it. And don't look it up on Google. And uh, when I look back on those early years as a Christian, I think there was this word was missing from our vocabulary. It, was, it just wasn't there. There was no understanding of this, no expectation of this. And I am struck now at this age of 55, looking back at the lack and the absence of extravagance. We didn't have extravagant joy. No, our joy was deep. It was deep, deep, deep down, deep down in our hearts. In fact, we looked miserable, to be honest, but we had the joy of the Lord. In fact, we said to one another every Sunday, the joy of the Lord, hello, the joy of the Lord be with you too. We were miserable. Buried, buried deep it was. We had no extravagant generosity. We would have a fellowship supper once a month and the sandwiches were probably pulled back from the last months and we had them, they were curled up at the edges. The salads that we had were with protein, if you know what I mean. And the eggs, and the eggs were so hard-boiled that when they cut into them, it felt like a, smelt like a public toilet, the tea, by the time you actually left the room. It was pretty miserable, to be honest. Pretty miserable. We were careful with our money. We were British. Proud of it. Didn't see the color of day our insides of our wallet. There was no extravagant living. Holiness was a kind of hospital hygiene hand wash you got on a Sunday and you had to try and make it through the week in that horrible world. Hopefully rushing back to get your next injection of hand wash. And I'll tell you what, forgiveness, well forgiveness was, there was no extravagant forgiveness. You were on probation. I mean, you could lose your salvation. It was that serious. Three hits and you're out. And Jesus was good at counting. Don't forget it. So you lived pretty condemned. You tried your best, but most days you came up and oh, no, I didn't read my Bible. I lost my temper. Oh. No extravagant gospel. In fact, the gospel was the church was, uh, we had this incredible gospel message, which was uh, remnant theology. We didn't expect people to be saved. In fact, we were building a nuclear fallout shelter, the church was, and the world could go to hell, but the church was okay because Jesus would come back and save us. Hallelujah. And blow the rest of the world. No extravagant gospel. In fact, if we heard of anybody being saved, we really were suspicious of Billy Graham. Can't trust him. He's in with the Catholics. That's what we said. He's in with the Catholics, that guy. Can't trust him. Why was this? Why were we so afraid of extravagance? Why did we never know the extravagance of God? I'll tell you this, because there was no extravagant Holy Spirit. In fact, we called him the Holy Ghost. Because we had buried the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, just after Pentecost in the book of Acts. We had buried him in a very, very cast-type tomb called dispensationalism. We had put him in this lead-reinforced tomb and he was safely buried. In fact, he was more of a ghost because if anyone spoke of the Holy Ghost being seen, we were pretty terrified and pretty scared. 
We had no expectation that God could come in and change a meeting and turn a meeting upside down. No expectation that there were signs and wonders and miracles. We had God all wrapped up. And reflecting on this, I became, I became aware, even with churches that are like us, charismatic churches, the Holy Spirit can still be contained and grieved, held back because of our fear and because of our unbelief. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes, likes to disrupt things. He likes to change things. He likes to turn things on their heads. And we need more of the Holy Spirit if we're to change our world. The Holy Spirit's coming is a game changer. People find what they were created to do on earth. Churches get unstuck. And the power is released. And the gospel runs. And nations and people are changed. So let me just finish this message by saying, what type of extravagance does God want from us? In the book of Acts, we find it. And it begins with extravagant preaching. You see, here's my conviction. When Peter stood up, and Peter blew it loads and loads of time, when he stood up in Acts and started to preach, he left nothing back. He put everything he had into it. And 3,000 people said when he said, repent and believe, what must we do to be saved? Repent and believe. 3,000 people said, "Put sign me up. Can I say this? I believe that preaching and preachers, we need a generation to rise up. Preachers of men and women who are rising up, who are unafraid of the status quo, unafraid of the political correctness, happy to talk about Christ, happy to talk about the Bible, and who preach and leave nothing back. I think preaching is so often just intellectually stimulating. There's almost like a scorecard you're all carrying. It's a 10, it's a 9, it's an 8 this morning. As if that made a good Sunday. You compare them as you have your coffee. I thought it was a 7 this morning. No, I thought it was more of 8. We get into that mentality. No, did you hear God this morning? Was your life shaped this morning? Were you shaken to the core of your being? Because that preacher was so up in your grill, he offended you. We need preaching like that. Not stuff, Bible thumping, legalism. I hate that. But neither intellectual, everybody happy, sing you a lullaby. We've got a mission and we need preachers that are extravagant. We need extravagant prayer. Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to prayer. Acts 4, 31, after they had prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken. You see, the church did not pray safe prayers. Bless me, Lord. Let me find a car space this morning. You know what, it's the marathon. We didn't pray prayers like that. They prayed prayers like, shake the heavens, Lord. We're fed up with the political correctness. We're fed up with what's going on in the city. We're fed up with this unrelenting godlessness in our nation. God, we want to see things change. They prayed, and when they prayed, the ground shook. Do you want prayer meetings like that? Do you get up in the morning early? You know, it's very easy to hear words like this and go, yeah, yeah, we want a better prayer meeting and I hope the elders can do something about it. But actually, it begins with us getting up early and even meeting God ourselves and getting on our knees and saying, God, 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 would you come on my life? Would you make me a witness? Would you make me someone today? To touch me is to touch Jesus. Extravagant praying. Extravagant worship. Thirdly, 
See, the breaking of bread was central to everything the church did. We need to make sure it is in our church's lives. But the summary of their new life is found in Acts 2.47. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all people and the Lord adding daily to their number those who are being saved. You see, worship and gospel breakthrough is not unconnected. Charismatics like to make the two quite far apart. We want our holy club, knees up Mother Brown. We want to have a great time on Sunday and we, want the, we don't really care what's happening out there in the world. No, actually, if we are being saturated with the living God, it will drive us to our knees and from our knees it will drive us to our neighbours because we have good news to share. God wants to save and he wants to save with people like you and I, fallen, fallible, stupid, ignorant people like us. God wants to use because his glory is filling us and when people see that glory, that extravagant living, they will ask us questions. Fourthly, extravagant giving. In Acts 2.45, they sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had in need. Carrying on Acts 4.34, they laid large sums, huge sums of money at the apostles' feet, a bit like West Point this year. And by the way, if I'm reading the book of Acts correctly, it wasn't to buy Peter and John a Porsche or a Mercedes. Because on the way to the temple, Peter's going, silver and gold, I haven't got. But what I do have, I give you. Money wasn't about making people better off. What Money was used to expand the mission. It was used to sow into souls being saved. It was sown into people being released to go to the ends of the earth. You know, this is a generous church. I'm not trying to teach mother how to suck eggs here. You've given extravagantly over many, many years. I've been part of that. But let your future hope church be marked by this. Extravagant giving. Giving to the poor and to the needy and to the nations and to apostolic mission because we are about something incredible in our day and you are a blessed church and the idol of mammon is big in Winchester it's big in the nation and the way you bring down that idol is give that's what happens you give God brings down the idol and we see the kingdom advance Fifthly, extravagant power, Acts 3.9, lame from birth, walking and leaping and praising God. Acts 5.12, apostles performed many signs and wonders. They knew this was an extravagant God they worshipped. They knew what Jesus did, which was extravagant, and therefore they carried on the family business. They carried on the family business. Where there is sickness, they wanted to reach out quickly. Reach out quickly to where you see sickness. Reach out quickly to where you see depression. Reach out quickly to people who are in need. Because as you reach out, if your default position is, let me pray for you, let me, you don't know what power you're unleashing. I heard from a leader in one of the churches in commission this week, a couple of weeks back, someone came to him, said he had cancer. I think he was a youngish man and just had cancer diagnosed the leader said can I pray for you and he said no no I'm coming to terms with it it's serious I'm coming to terms I don't want prayer and so this leader says I am going to pray nevertheless as soon as I get home I'm going to get on my knees I'm going to pray that God's power is released in your body following morning the young young man rang him up and said the lump it was a big lump on his back has disappeared the leader goes wow I've 
I'm going to tell the church. He says, no, you're not. I'm going to go to the, I've got an appointment. I want to go to the hospital. It's probably gone somewhere else. I don't want any news of this getting out. So he goes to the hospital that week and he has it checked out and the cancer is completely gone. Just because he prayed. How much do you want to see the kingdom of God? How extravagant will you be in terms of this message this morning? And I'll finish with this. They had extravagant leaders. Churches deserve extravagant leaders because we serve an extravagant God. Are your leaders extravagant? They hold nothing back in everything they do. You cannot read the book of Acts and not notice that these people, when they began the story, are pretty timid. They're frightened little rabbits. They're hiding away. They might get spotted. They might get put on a cross. They're hiding away and the Holy Spirit comes and it's a game changer. It's a game changer. They're out on the streets. They're preaching. They're laying hands on the sick. They're saying, God's kingdom come. And we must not never, ever fall into the temptation of thinking leaders are somehow different to us, that somehow they get a different sort of set of circumstances and somehow they can walk on water and everything comes right for leaders. They're flesh and blood. They're sinful human beings like the rest of us and we must pray for our leaders. We must intercede on behalf of them because they carry a wonderful responsibility and they are gifts to the church of Jesus Christ. Easy to think very, very wrongly as believers about church leaders. Do you pray for your leaders? You need to. You really need to. You need to pray for me as well. Carry big responsibilities. We want to prove faithful. You see, when you read the book, I was reading this recently, I was thinking, how come when I read the story of Samson, I think immediately of a big bodybuilding Arnold Schwarzenegger? I've read children's books and they show you a strapping, strong, muscular guy who's Samson. That's rubbish. Do you think the Philistines would offer Delilah 10 million quid for the secret of Samson's strength if there was a towering bronze Adonis in front of them? Oh, come on. You can see where his strength comes from. He's a bodybuilder. Neither, for those of you who are slightly lighter on the thatch up top, was it his hair. That's a complete misreading of the text. If you read the book of Judges, you read the story of Samson when he was born. In Judges 13, 25, the Holy Spirit began stirring. Judges 14, 19, the Holy Spirit come powerfully upon him. Even in that final breath, In Judges 16, when Samson is brought before the people, he asks the sovereign Lord to fill him again one more time. It was the Holy Spirit that brought the difference. It was God's power that made the difference, not some human being that was working out every day. It's the Holy Spirit that will make the difference on this church, on your leaders, and you need to pray for them. Pray for them to be men of the Holy Spirit, your elders particularly as we bring in two this morning. So my challenge to you before we pray for these elders this morning is this. Will you be, Hope Church Winchester, more extravagant? 
Will you live less to the cares of the world and the concerns of the world and more extravagantly? I tell you, it's an adventure which when you start living is life transforming. When you move quickly towards need, when you move quickly to empty your wallet and get your wallet out and start giving money away, I tell you, you start bringing something of the kingdom of God wherever you are. Extravagance is contagious. Extravagance is a game changer. And I'm asking you this morning, will you sign up as individuals and as a church to be extravagant? Extravagant in your giving, extravagant in your praying, extravagant in your worship. How many people want to come and go, oh, that was nice. Very nice this morning. Hallelujah. Wow. When do we go home? How much more is it contagious when everybody is ready, comes ready with a gift, with a song, with the scripture to read, and the Holy Spirit comes on, and God is in this place? That's the type of thing we want. And by the way, I'm not saying work something up. Hear this. I, if you ask me, many people say, what did you go in faith for to West Point? I said 250,000. If it got to 300, I was going to be outrageously blessed. God said to me, you talked about a doubling of the number of people being saved, a doubling of churches, a doubling of leaders. Here's what I'm going to do. I'll put a down payment. I'll double the money. Get going. Get cracking. And that's what he's doing amongst us this morning. He's adding a couple more leaders because as Hope Church Winchester, you need to get going, get cracking, extravagant, extravagant living. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you heaven is open today. We're not trying to work something up. This has got to be faith from first to last. But I pray something of your spirit would descend now on your sons and daughters I pray, Lord, break something in our hearts of safety, risk-averse. I pray, break that and let us live in a way that is so contagious, so extravagant that people notice we've heard from God and we've taken your word and we've put it into action. Thank you, we serve an extravagant God. Thank you, you're for us this morning. Thank you, you're giving to this church new leaders. And we pray, bless this moment. Make it a special moment for this church. And may it be the fruit of this We double this church in the coming years. We double in the next three or four years the number of people on Alpha, the number of people being saved, the number of young people, old people, married, singles. God, I pray, double this church. Double their faith. Double their expectation. Whatever they're reaching for in you this week, double it, I pray. Let heaven extravagantly bless this church. In Jesus' name, amen.